Welcome to The Bonfire. I am your host, Morgan, a.k.a. Bond Diesel, and this is a podcast about video game news, reviews, rumors, and speculation. This week, I'll be covering Xbox Developer Direct Confirmed, a new DualSense is promising more juice, Dragon's Dogma 2 learns a lesson from Baldur's Gate 3, and much more. A few things before we get started. On YouTube, please subscribe to the channel, hit the like button, and comment down below. Subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform, and leave a review if you're on Spotify or iTunes. A special thank you to all of the patrons and YouTube members, Hassan, YouTubes, Neuronix, PK, Cage Nephilim, and Horseman. If you're interested in supporting this podcast, consider becoming a member on YouTube, subscribing over at Twitch, or joining my Patreon or Ko-Fi at the link in the description. Gaming news. Starting off with Xbox, uh, as I talked about last week, there were rumors of upcoming showcases, and the first needle has dropped. We have the Xbox uh, Developer Direct, which is uh, an extension of a thing that we got last year. Um, last year, it showed off things like, I believe, it, I think it was Starfield, um, as well as some other stuff. Uh, this year, it's going to be Hellblade uh, 2, Sinuous Saga, the new Indiana Jones game, uh, Avowed, and uh, another game called Aura. Um, the Hellblade 2, it's almost becoming a meme at this point, where um, even I am kind of like, cool let's just put this game out <laughs> like we've seen because it was the first next gen game revealed for xbox and uh i think it's gonna be amazing i i'm assuming hellblade 2 is going to be my game of the year this year um other games that i've seen that could be coming out that could compete are up there with um definitely the star wars outlaws game i could see uh, potentially being there for me um Dragon's Dogma, which I'm going to talk about in a little bit for multiple reasons. Uh, Dragon's Dogma 2 seems like it could have some potential, depending on how uh, I receive that personally. Um, but yeah, uh, Hellblade 2, as excited as I am for it, I kind of don't want to see more about it. I, I've seen plenty. I'm sold. And I feel like a lot of people feel that way. But we'll probably see more. Uh, the Indiana Jones game is a weird one because I have no real connection to Indiana Jones. I'm not, uh, you know, a Jones head or whatever, an indie head. Um, but what's interesting about it is the machine games uh, kind of angle. Um, machine games makes really good games. The Wolfenstein games, which are pretty legendary in their own right. Uh, so it's one of those things where like half of me says like, how are they going to make Indiana Jones relevant? And then the other half of me is like, man, Machine Games doesn't miss. So we're supposed to get gameplay, which is really interesting. And I'm, I'm just kind of interested and I'm curious, is it going to be third person, first person, some kind of mix? That's the rumor I've heard is that it's a little bit of both. And what are they going to do with that? So my guess is this is going to be a Uncharted or a Tomb Raider-ish game. Um, I'm hoping it's third person, you know, as much as I kind of, you know, joke around about PlayStation having all the same game, all being this third person action adventure, single player focused uh, game. 
um, it'd be cool to have some of those on Xbox too. So uh, as much as I kind of, uh, you know, lightheartedly uh, joke on uh, PlayStation for basically only doing that, um, I, I do think that it would be nice if Xbox added some of that uh, to their inventory or to their catalog. And I think that Indiana Jones would be the perfect chance to do that. So I'm excited to see that. Um, Avowed is Obsidian's new RPG. Uh, this was at one point kind of, you know, promoted or people the, the, during the rumor period, people were kind of like, oh, this is going to be like Obsidian Skyrim. Um, Obsidian being a company that is very, you know, kind of held in a similar regard as Bethesda, uh, especially because they did Fallout New Vegas and people really love that game to the point where uh, for some people it's their favorite Fallout. Um, not me. For me, it's still three, I think. But um, it seems like Avowed is not going to be that big. Um, the, the rumors and kind of the vibe around it right now seem to be suggesting it's going to be more of a uh, maybe something a little more lower key. Um, probably if you compared like the Outer Worlds to Starfield or to the Fallout games where it's a smaller experience. It's a more linear experience in a lot of ways. Um, and that's fine. One of the things I love about the Outer Worlds, or that I loved about it when I played it, is that it was just kind of uh, the Fallout experience, but shrunken down a little bit. It's still a long game, but not quite as long as some of the games uh, that it kind of um, seems pretty obviously inspired by. Um, the final one being this Aura game, which I believe it's some kind, I think it's a third party game that's going to be exclusive on Xbox, at least for some time. Um, I want to say it's some kind of uh, uh, real time strategy or something like that. The, this direct will be great for me because I don't know much about this game. Um, the two things about this is that this is going to be on January 18th. I believe that's next Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. I do plan on live streaming uh, and kind of co-streaming it uh, to kind of, you know, if you want to hang out and, and check this out with me. The other thing is, is that there's a, there's a, there's a couple rumors. Um, the first one is that these are all 2024 games. Um, and that would make sense. It seems like it would be sort of strange if they did this developer direct, really highlighted a fairly small number of games and then we're like, and they come out next year. Like, I'm expecting all of these this year. The other thing that I'm expecting, or maybe think is potentially likely, uh, is a very roundabout way to say it, is that this could probably have one more announcement in it, at least that they ha haven't announced. So when they did it last year, they shadow dropped Hi-Fi Rush. Uh, I'll get back to that in a moment. People think that this year there could be I, the craziest thing I've seen is someone saying they're going to uh, shadow drop Hellblade. I think that Hellblade's way too big of a game, and, and I'll get, you know, I want to talk about that in Hi-Fi Rush again. Um, but there are a lot of rumors that people think that this Aura game may get shadow dropped and that we may get one more big announcement at the end where um, may, maybe we see um, a, a, one, a, another one of the big, uh, like a perfect dark, uh, even just a teaser about that or something like that. Um, getting back to Hi-Fi Rush and Hellblade 2, uh, what I want to say about that quickly is in hindsight in 2023, it's kind of wild that we had a pretty lengthy and seemingly expensive marketing campaign for Redfall, um, but they shadow dropped Hi-Fi Rush. To this day, I still believe if they would have shadow dropped Redfall in like kind of rough shape, but then done like a two-month marketing or two or three-month marketing um 
thing for Hi-Fi Rush. I think both of those games would have been received better and Xbox's reputation would have been uh, treated better. I think people would have been like, oh, okay, they shadow dropped Redfall because it's kind of rough, uh, but they're working on it. We'll just kind of enjoy it for what it is. But Hi-Fi Rush, like, holy crap, this looks so cool. I can't wait to play it. Holy crap, I played it. This is amazing. This is one of the best games of the year. And I, I think that Hi-Fi Rush would have done better, almost certainly sales-wise, or you know, potentially their Game Pass uh, sales would have done better um, if they would have basically switched those marketing positions. So when you look at something like Hellblade, like, sure, in a way, it would be really cool for Hellblade to get a shadow drop. Um, and with how long we've been hearing about it, it would make more sense than a game that we've never heard of before. Um, but I still just think, like, it's likely that Hellblade 2 is expected to be Xbox's biggest game this year. And I just think it would be quite brave to put out what's likely going to be your highest quality game uh, on a shadow drop uh, in, in January. So we'll wait and see. Uh, but next Thursday, the 18th at 3 uh, p.m. Eastern, I will uh, be on uh, watching that all over on Twitch. And you can come and watch with me if you would like. I'm Bond Diesel over there. Um, the one last thing I do want to do is instead of doing a listener question at the end, I'll just in, uh, insert it here. Master Prime 901 asked, what games would you like to see in the Xbox developer update? Um, going back, Perfect Dark, I would love to see something about that. I would love to see um, maybe something Gears, even if it's a tease. Like, I would be cool if they focus on these four games that they've announced, and then they do a little flash teaser at the end that's like, Perfect Dark, Gears, you know, maybe if there's something coming for Halo, you know, like to do like a little sizzle reel real quick of like, oh, and here's some other stuff to be excited about. But maybe those things aren't coming this year. Um, and maybe we'll get more about them uh, in June during the summer game showcases. That's what I'm going to start calling it. I'm not I'm not giving it to summer game fest. I can't do it. So the summer game showcase period, uh, I, 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 it'd be cool to get some previews of that. But I think Perfect Dark would be the one that would be the most interesting and that would get the most people talking because uh, with all of the issues going on um, with that studio, it'd be cool to see something come out of it. And my final thing I would love to see be surprised with is State of Decay 3. I love State of Decay. I really loved State of Decay 2. And with State of Decay 3 being Undead Labs, the studio, being their first game that um, so they got acquired by Xbox right after they released Day of the K2, likely when they were maybe not even in pre-production of three. So it's going to be cool to see what they do with. They have such a good handle on making those games feel good to play um, as well as they support Day of the K2. And in my opinion, it, while it may not be the most popular game on Earth, it's probably the best supported game ever made. I think it's got to be up there, and most people don't know because I don't think that many people play it. I cannot wait to see they, what they do with all of that experience, along with finally having like the the safety and the advantage of the budget and and, and resources of Xbox with State of Decay three. So maybe that would be my biggest like personal hope, but we'll have to wait and see. In uh, other Xbox news, there were rumors in the last week or so of a potential for an Xbox uh, first party uh, exclusive game to come to Nintendo Switch 2 uh, or Switch uh, or even the PlayStation uh, universe. Uh, 
the rumored games that I've heard about so far with no confirmations of any of them are Hi-Fi Rush, Sea of Thieves, or Grounded. Um, there, there was a lot of pushback from some weird Xbox fans. And just full disclosure, if this is your first time here or, or if you've missed it, I'm an Xbox fan. I, I am a Xbox prefer. I have nothing against PlayStation. I have nothing against Nintendo. Um, I, I These days probably play more on my PC than anything, to be honest. But I still like my Xbox a lot. I still have multiple franchises. Basically, I play first-person games on my PC. I play third-person games and racing games on my Xbox and real-time strategies on my PC. That's basically how I break it down. But some people are being weird about this and acting like, well, if they're going to put their first-party games on other platforms, they might as well just be a third-party and just put all their games on other platforms and not even make a console. Well, one, that's not, that's not what's happening here. Um, if we ever find out that they're putting Halo and Hellblade and, you know, if, if you know, Forza and these other games on other platforms, uh, maybe Xbox is looking to get out of the first party game. But until that happens, people need to chill their, you know, chill the brakes a little uh, or pump them a little bit. What I think is interesting is that it would be weird for it to be Hi-Fi Rush. I think Hi-Fi Rush, with all of the good talk it gets is a game that they should leave just on Xbox and PC as the like, hey, come come try Game Pass and play this great game. Sea of Thieves and Grounded are different. And it's the whole idea of these games as a service, uh, multiplayer kind of uh, live service games. Those make sense to be uh, you know more than one platform because those games need as big of a player base as possible. So having them stuck onto one platform doesn't make sense. That's been a big criticism of PlayStation with them going so hard into the live service game. But if they stay with their kind of walled garden and only allow those games to be on PlayStation or, or maybe PC, but maybe not because they're weird about that. Um, you know, a lot of those games don't make sense. That's why destiny has remained uh, multi-platform, even though there's, that's a more complicated explanation, but there's even a chance that games like marathon and stuff like that, uh, that will be games that will come out under Sony could still be multi-platform because with live service multiplayer games, it's, it's, it's weird. It's a little weird. Um, or, or it's at least more reasonable, um, to think about them potentially becoming multi-platform games. So you have a game like sea of thieves, especially that's been, it's out, it's, it's like sixth or seventh year of being out now. They probably aren't selling many Xboxes on sea of thieves, but they could probably get a bunch of sales of Sea of Thieves on PlayStation and even the Switch 2 if it can handle it. So um, I'm not as weird about this rumor as some Xbox fans are um, because I, I, I think that there's games that uh, would make sense to do multi-platform and that would honestly probably be a good thing. And then there's games that you can't do. Like you, if, if you believe in your system and the way you're doing things, you have to keep them in your walled garden like i said before so we will see i wouldn't be surprised if if we get news of that my guess it wouldn't be until this summer uh and it may even be in like cooperation with a switch to announcement or something like that we'll see but i'll be curious to see what they do with that with playstation news we uh had a i think is the best buy australia website accidentally uh, posted a product page for a dualsense v2 controller um, what's really weird about this, and I've seen a lot of advertisement about it being, or, or a lot of creators talking about it and being like, 
you know, the, the current controller is kind of, you know, memed on a little bit for having relatively short battery life, as little as two or three hours, uh, especially if you're going hard with the uh, the haptics and stuff like that. Um, this is, I believe this new controller is claiming a 10 to 12 hour battery life. But when people dug into the details of it, apparently it has the exact same size battery as the original uh, controller, which seems odd to me. Um, so maybe they've done optimizations to the haptic motors. Maybe there's other optimizations they've done and that's all this is. Or maybe the numbers are just wrong about the battery size and things like that. And maybe it does just legitimately have a bigger battery. Um, I did recently interact with someone, I think in maybe, might have been kind of funny's chat, um, talking about how uh, part of the reason that like like the Elite, the Xbox Elite controller, doesn't have battery packs the way their regular ones do. It's an internal battery, just like the PlayStation controllers. Um, but I saw someone, a specific individual, was giving their own account, and that their um, their Elite controller lasts for you know many days, like you know ten plus to fifteen plus hours on one charge. Uh, again, it doesn't have the haptics and things like that. Where they're, um, and I think they were even talking about that recently upgraded uh, PlayStation controller, you know, has the bad battery life. And their point was that it, it's not just that Sony has this internal battery and that it, maybe it's smaller, but it's the fact that they're, they're just using low quality lithium ion batteries. And so this new controller may literally have the exact same size battery, but it's a much higher quality one that has more density and can just hold a bigger charge for longer. So we'll have to wait and see about that. Um, and then at CES, Honda and Sony showed off their car. It's called the Afila. And uh, they showed off that it can be controlled by a DualSense. So in a very timely joke that no one will expect at all, I sure hope you're not driving anywhere more than about 90 minutes or else you won't make it. Haha. <laughs> uh, but anyway, but still, this is weird. I, I, I think Sony, Sony is such an interesting company because... Uh, I talk about it all the time, and so I won't go into too much of a, a, a diatribe about it. But like, if Xbox fails, Microsoft will be fine. If if PlayStation fails, Sony will fail. And so, you see why Sony does the things they do with PlayStation. Why, you know, they do some things that I would argue are kind of anti-consumer, but they're doing it to protect the brand. Uh, where maybe Xbox is a little more relaxed about things, but that's because the stakes of Xbox are just lower than PlayStation's for their parent companies, right? But then you see Sony do like weird crap like this, and it just kind of makes you scratch your head. Like, sure, like I assume Sony uh, or uh, Honda is is carrying most of the development of this, and Sony's gonna like provide the screens and maybe some other you know, bits and bobs for this. Uh, and it's just gonna be kind of like, uh, kind of like how they used to do the Sony Ericsson uh, PlayStation phone. That was just a Sony Ericsson. They just happened to put game controller buttons on it and call it a PlayStation phone, right? It, it wasn't really a PlayStation product. It was a Sony Ericsson product, but uh, I have a feeling that's what this car is gonna be. But it just, I don't know, it cracked me up when they showed like, you can control the car with this controller. Like, that sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> that sounds like a real bad idea. And hopefully it's just something for you all to show off. Then we have one bit of Nintendo news. There are rumors that multiple outside very large studios are in talks with Nintendo to make exclusive games uh, for their platform and likely specifically for the Switch 2. Um, with all of the rumors flying around about the Switch 2 and how it's supposed to be 
this you know 60 or 120 hertz refresh rate that's gonna have dlss with this nvidia chip it's going to be using that um that you know they're going to be looking at higher uh, resolutions uh, 1080p or even higher um this isn't surprising at all um so one of the problems with nintendo is that for whatever reason they um have really struggled that even though their hardware is still pretty consistently like one or two generations behind sony and uh, xbox that they still even then seem to really be struggling to make games that are of like modern quality when it comes to resolutions and frame rates and things like that. Uh, obviously at this point in the Switch's life, a big part of that is outdated hardware. The Switch's hardware was arguably outdated the day it released. It was two or three years old at that time. Now the console is seven, eight years old. And, you know, it's, you know, things move faster than that. And there's rumors now that the, the hardware in the Switch 2 could be two or three years old at this point already, um, and that it may still be more relevant because the DLSS tech will help with it with frame rates and things like that, uh, but that's only going to last so long. Um, regardless of all of that, them potentially working with third-party developers who have been developing you know, these higher quality games already for many years and may already have experience with things like DLSS, it makes sense. Um, because the, the rumors are that the power of the system are going to be something like an Xbox One X, if you remember that, where it was the slightly boosted uh, Xbox One or even the PS4 Pro, two very similarly powered systems, uh, but not quite, you know, the PS5 or the Xbox Series uh, S or X. And so this isn't that surprising. I suspect um, I would, wouldn't be, I mean, this is obvious for them to try to be a play to have some uh, third-party games, um, some multi-platform games to be on their new system, but it sounds like they may simply be working uh, with some of these companies to get games that will only be on the Switch 2. So we will have to wait and see. I think it's going to be a pretty big year for Nintendo uh, when they announce this, uh, no matter how outdated their hardware is going to be. Not, it's not going to matter. They're going to sell 125 million units of it, and they're going to do it quietly, and they're going to do it mostly on the promise of their first-party games that are going to look two generations old. But that's okay, because good for them. Moving on to more general news, Dragon's Dogma 2, uh, the, the, the Sphinx from the game, is getting the fans going. So I saw a tweet from their official... Uh, Twitter account where it said uh, something like don't even think about it and it showed a picture or a gif or something of a uh, a Sphinx character in the new Dragon's Dogma game that is a hot lady cat basically and it is real big and it's got some flippy floppy feathery boobies and I have a friend who wants to know if you can romance this thing that's all I'm saying um, this to me the way that they're handling this very much uh the friend is me by the way just making sure you know um <laughs> but uh the the marketing here they're doing uh is probably one of the first times and, and definitely not the last we're going to see some of these companies who even make these like kind of similar uh these rpg style games uh try to have their own bear sex moment like Baldur's gate 3 had where I, I, I mean, it's impossible to ignore that a big part of why Bethesda, uh, Bethesda, why Baldur's Gate 3 
got a lot of the attention it got was, you know, when they did a showcase and they showed off one of the moments where you can romance a druid who is in bear form. And, um, it implies that you're, you know, getting it on with a bear. Um, that was a big moment for Baldur's Gate three. And just from the comedy and the memeiness of it, it, um, it really put Baldur's Gate three on the map. And then the game came out and it happened to be insanely good in many, many ways. Um, so I definitely see this as dragon's dogma trying to be like, Hey, look, we got, things too and that game is supposed to have romances and things like that um, I'm really excited about that game I've tried to play the remaster or remake of the first game and even it it feels pretty dated it, it, it was hard for me to get into but just playing around with it for a couple hours I was like holy crap like this is a in-depth very like very cool thing and I uh, I definitely intend on trying to get more into that game uh, into the next one that's hopefully going to have you know a, a more modern feel to it so good on dragon's dogma 2 for learning uh sag made agreements with a ai voice uh acting company um and it kind of seems like they didn't consult any of their union members or any of their members of their group because uh sag is hailing this as a big thing of like hey we're working it out we're figuring out how to make this ai thing work that won't be abusive to our members. But then it seems like most of their members are like, what are you doing? <laughs> we didn't agree to this. It, it, it seems implied that there was no votes or anything that happened that SAG just kind of went with it. And, you know, on one hand, if they did make some like extremely good and airtight agreements that if an a voice actor's uh, voice gets used by, you know, the, an AI method where they aren't actually recording the lines themselves, uh, but they're still going to get paid like they were then. Okay. Like, I mean, I guess that's fine. I just think that they probably didn't start this off on a great foot by uh, coming to this agreement and seemingly their own members having no idea anything was happening. So I have a feeling there will be more about this. I will cover it in later shows. Um, but yeah, probably not a great move by SAG there. We'll see. We have the most unfortunate section of a podcast I've ever had is the layoff section. And that means that it's not just one company who did it. Well, at the very beginning of 2024, uh, a year after we had something like 13 or 15,000 layoffs in the industry, uh, we are at almost 2,500 or no, yeah, about 2,500 uh, known layoffs already this year. We have 500 positions from Twitch, 1,800 positions from Unity, and 170 positions from Discord. Uh, for Twitch, that's roughly about 35% of their total staff. For Unity, it's almost a quarter. And for Discord, it's, it's almost 20. Um, the 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 Twitch one I've been I've been trying to look more into it. There's a good interview with the CEO of of of, uh, of Twitch about all of this. I, in no way, shape, or form am I defending this. You know these layoffs suck. I hope all these people find gainful jobs ASAP. Um, Twitch basically doubled its viewership during COVID, and that's not their viewership anymore. And so. Uh, during COVID, uh, even through remote means, it seems like they probably staffed up real big and real fast. And as time has gone on, that upstaffing 
is no longer necessary, either because the things those people worked on are implemented and they're able to handle what they have, or because their viewership is going down because people are going outside again over the last year or so. And they just, you know, they don't need that many staff. Uh, again, not a defense of the move. It's real crappy, um, but it's probably not the end of it this year. Um, Unity is a little, has a little bit worse taste in the mouth because after they made such awful decisions, you know, a few months ago with some of the big changes and they pulled them back and they fired uh, Riccatello, uh, the EA demon. Um, th this one, you know, they're saying that they're, they're laying all these people off so they can, you know, consolidate and start a new strategy for long-term growth or whatever crap corporate stuff they decided to, uh, to say, um, and then discord, um, that one's kind of interesting. It's probably something similar to Twitch. I have to imagine discord probably staffed up pretty hard during the pandemic. And I would be willing to bet there is not much need, uh, for all those people. Uh, now, even if discord and Twitch are growing, uh, even if it's slowly, uh, it's not the same kind of growth that I have to assume both of those companies experienced in 2020, uh, 2021 era. And now those people are probably seeming a little redundant and this is what happens. Uh, it sucks. Again, I will reiterate that I hope all these people find positions immediately uh, that pay even better and they'll stay there the rest of their lives or at least until they want to leave. Um, but uh, like it or not, this is also kind of a reality of business in general, but especially the tech sector. So sucks. Uh, the final story here, uh, Starfield updates and some hidden mechanics and such. Uh, so Bethesda announced that they have a, uh, a beta for a patch coming next week, I believe on the 17th, that will be on Steam with over 100 changes and improvements to the base game. Um, it sounds like this is a lot of bug fixing and things like that. They did seem to imply that there may be some more aesthetic or more um, kind of quality of life um, updates coming in this one, but didn't specify. So we'll have to wait and see what people uh, get from that. And then uh, two separate little stories, a data miner dug into the files of Starfield and found that there's evidence that at least at one time, uh, Starfield was probably supposed to be a much darker and much more gritty experience. Um, even as someone who really loved Starfield, uh, I think I've kind of settled on for me, it was a nine out of 10. Um, it was my third favorite game of 2023. Um, I do wish it felt more edgy. I do wish it had a little more grit or tragedy or, or something. It's just like Fallout 4 and Fallout 3 and even New Vegas made by a different company. What I love so much about those games is there was some like dark humor in there. There was just dark situations, things that you could discover that were really grim and kind of awful. Um, and Starfield has like hints of that stuff, but it just never goes all the way into it. And it feels we're like fallout feels like a, like an R rated franchise. Like it's like, it's an adult franchise, right? Um, Starfield definitely felt very much like a PG 13 or even like a PG game where like there were like insinuations of that dark underbelly or that kind of those dark themes, but you never saw it be fulfilled. And, um, you know, th there were so few actual consequences for your actions um, it, it, you know, you were kind of able to f do everything the right way the first time. And I, I just wish it would have been, had a little more grit, which it sounds like it was supposed to at one point. And, uh, I, I think we, we probably missed out on a 
maybe a better experience with that. Uh, the other bit is that a modder found evidence that there may just be a bug in the code that's causing the cave system. If you ever have played Starfield and you go, you, you're exploring the planet, you go down to a cave. Well, the first main issue is that I think they're all exactly the same. Uh, or if there are variations, they're very small. And the other problem is that they, they would always basically be empty. Um, so a modder showed off some footage of a mod they're working on that restores the original intended behavior of the caves, supposedly. Uh, and it's crazy. It, it looked wild. So um, even if that's not true, even if the experience we got is what they intended, I think this mod that this guy's working on to uh, try to make those caves a little more interesting would be pretty cool. So keep an eye on that. And that's the stories for this week. Uh, typically, I'd go into listener questions here, but the one we got this week I covered uh, during the story about Xbox and its developer direct. Uh, if you have any of your own questions, uh, be sure to ask in the Discord and YouTube comments uh, or hit me up over uh, on Twitter at Diesel or at The Bonfire. Uh, you can also, uh, you know, just whatever way you want to get to me. You know, topics for next week, stories you want me to cover, feedback on the show in general. I'm happy to hear it all. So let's wrap this thing up. Once again, thank you so much for listening to this episode. And please consider participating in the show by submitting a question or comment in the Discord or those other places for next week. You can find me all over the internet as Bond Diesel, including over on Twitch and on YouTube. Uh, to see my other content or find ways to support everything I do, please check out the link in the description of the show. And uh, that's all I have for this one. So until next time.